You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the costume designer for Licorice Pizza, Mark Bridges. I'm at the car, I'm going to marry one day. But her mommy is yelling no, and her daddy has told her to go. Listen, young lady. But her friend is nowhere to be seen. So how'd you become such a hot shot actor? I'm a showman. That's what I'm meant to do. To the seats with the clearest view. Wow, 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 wow. And she's hooked to the silver screen. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? No, but Streisand. Sand. But the film is a sad thing for. This is faith that brought us together. But she's lived it ten times or more. Our roads took us here. She could spit in the eyes of more. You're not my director. They ask her to focus on. Do you really want to see my boobs? Can I touch them? See you tomorrow. I think it's weird to hang out with Gary and his friends all the time. <laughs> I think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends all the time. I'm not gonna forget you. Just like you're not gonna forget me. Cross. Camera A, old camera B. Mark it. Action. I'm coming, Nancy. Hello. How you doing, Mark? I'm good. How are you, Daniel? I am so good. Are you Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready. So, Licorice Pizza is set in Southern California in the early 70s. Uh, this is the second film that, that you and Paul have made in the same period and, and setting after Inherent Vice and, and Boogie Nights was just a, a set a few years later. Obviously, those are very different films. Uh, so, how did you approach the costumes differently this time around? It is interesting. You know, I try to be as specific as possible to what was happening in any year so that really nails it down. So Inherent Vice was really the straddling two decades, you know, it was 1970. So it had a, there's a lot of references to 60s in it as well. 72, 73 was really what we think of as the 70s, I think. You know, the the flares were, were there. The hip huggers were there, the wide belts, uh, sexy brawless looks for girls, um, you know, just uh, long, long hair for the guys, like surprisingly long hair to what had been before. So we go and pick up on uh, all, I, I personally like, try to analyze what makes a photograph anything reference any television show any movie that we see what makes this 1973 and and then pick out those key key things and then try to make sure those touchstones are everywhere with what we do 
yeah, I'm curious to hear more about your research process. Um, I, know, I know you're very meticulous about your research. And this film is based on Gary Ghostman's young adulthood. Did you use him specifically as a resource for your work, whether old photos of him specifically or anything like that? You know, um, yeah, I a, a little bit Paul would send me as he came across things that he had discussed with Gary, I would get a picture of Gary or Gary's mom or some event in his life or a character that we're recreating as well. I also thought of uh, Gary's character kind of like Danny Bonaduce a little bit because, you know, he was kind of the redhead actor of that period and is, you know, the character that he played on the Partridge family was very much like a mover and a shaker. So I just thought that was something, yeah, I looked at his clothes, what he wore at that period as well. And then, you know, we there's a lot of pulp culture around from that time, you know, whether it's the Brady Bunch or, you know, whatever. I'm looking at belt wits and how kids dress up, when they dress up, you know, uh, and of course, it's kind of it's television land, but there must have been something that the American public could relate to. So um, we we go there and then I go out and find things or we decide what we need made. And then we land somewhere comfortably where it's it feels real, but it's got a touchstone in all these different places. With a film like this, a period piece, uh, how much do you balance between created pieces and found pieces? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I my, one thing that I discovered was it was a lot easier to find real vintage twenty five years ago when we did Boogie Nights than it is now. You know, it's it's become so popular. And it's just gone. There's a finite amount of it. So we ended up, luckily, we have a lot of costume houses here in L.A. And we're able to find real garments, prototypes that are looking a little worse for wear because they're almost 50 years old. Um, so and then we'll recreate them. Well, we'll I have a few fabric stores that have period fabrics. Um, some of the costume houses sell fabric from the period. So we made a lot of stuff. And, you know, if you find jeans from the period, they look like they've been washed and dried for 50 years. And we needed them to look like Alana bought them at Sears or, or Chess King, you know, a couple of months ago. So we had to remake all that stuff too. And then there's specific things, um, you know, Bradley's white outfit for John Peters was something we find a prototype and then have our shirt makers and Mike do, do multiples for me and figure out all the embroidery. And uh, then of course, just the nature of filmmaking, you don't want to be out there in the middle of Van Nuys Boulevard at three o'clock in the morning and something happened to the one piece that you've got, you know? So you need to make things to make a film too. So, and then we were trying to recreate things, you know, kind of the touchstone of Bill Holden and the film Breezy. You know, we touch with Jack Holden and I, I don't know if her name's Rainbow or something, but um, we had to make that outfit because um, we wanted a riff on Kay Lenz's character, but we also, there's a practical aspect of 
motorcycle stunt doubles and things like that. So, you know, you balance the art, you do the art first and then you have to make it just out of necessity, you know, and it's fun that way. It really is. Um, Looking, finding the fabrics. I really get excited when we're able to nail something that we make new, but it feels like it fits right in with all the original clothes. I'd love to hear how you see the fashion sense of Alana. She's, she's caught between kind of between adulthood and adolescence, wanting to grow up, but kind of being pulled back into youth, you know, with Gary, how, how did your costumes help reflect the, the tension between those two stages for Alana? It's funny, you know, when it, you know, a lot of my work and I think a lot of Paul's work too, you know, we have gut reactions about what feels right for a scene. I think Paul wrote that she has some kind of a uniform for when she works for the photographer and her cohorts all sort of wear that uh, a work uniform. And it, then it becomes interesting, like, what does she decide to wear to meet Gary that night? You know, it's not terribly sexy it's like long sleeve but it is a dress and it's just it's interesting you just try to reflect what's going on in her mind what kind of means she has to to do things um also she has two sisters you know there's the leap of imagination that she uh might have borrowed things from her sisters there or one of her sisters is certainly almost her exact size you know so you i try to go and i try to make a closet and then the many moods and the many situations of alana um it's in there or her sisters have it you know and she because she feels like she's trying to find herself and find her place there there is you know there is dress up clothes and then there's sort of casual play clothes all of which you just try to nail it in that period and then choose from that closet on what is going to best tell the story in any given scene. That's so good. The, the poster for Licorice Pizza features Alana in a, in a very simple white t-shirt, but with a perfect phrase for the vibe of the film. You've come a long way, baby. Can you, can you tell me about that, that shirt? Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, Paul had written me one day and he said, hey, I want to have Alana wear some shirts that have sayings on it. And I thought oh, that that gets dicey because, you know, you're reading instead of looking at their face. But um, and he also sent me one that she wears later. And I don't even think you get to see the words. It said, I'll try anything once, which is (laughs) kind of very 70s optimism, along with with Alana's sort of philosophy. Um, But the come a long way, baby, you know, I had to figure out what could we use that's sort of emblematic of the period and that was a, a catchphrase for some cigarettes and uh, that were marketed towards women at the time. I can't remember what brand they were, but there even, uh, there's even a jingle that, you know, I, I won't sing it for you, <laughs> hurt, hurt your ears, but I do remember it well. You've come a long way, baby. And, you know, you can find things on eBay or Etsy or whatever that are original from the period and we couldn't get it cleared. We couldn't that because you know someone owns the trademark for the artwork or whatever. So 
you know, we looked at fonts, we got fonts cleared, we had the typeface sized very small because, and, and I think Paul actually liked it small because it was there, but it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And, and lo and behold, just out of the necessity of filling a request for Paul and trying to be period accurate, what happened, darned if it didn't happen, that it's something that he used on the teaser poster and has resonance for her story you know it's like these this is how things happen in movies you know you put one foot in front of the other or a requirement comes up and lo and behold you know something really fun and special happens this is krista makes guitarist and vocalist for less than jake and host of krista makes a podcast a songwriting podcast where every week i'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. I love how simple it is, and it really does fit the film so so well. It's so good. Uh, what's your favorite single outfit in the film? Hmm. I'm you know, gosh, that's a that's a tricky one. Um, we worked very hard on on Tom Waits's costume because he's sort of an amalgam of different inspirations for Paul and also sort of historic. Uh, Hollywood characters like a, a you know baseball cap from John Ford and uh, you know a pattern shirt from Billy Bitzer and a, a sport jacket from Raoul Walsh you know so I love when you pick we pick all these little pieces and then put them together to make a, a fresh character for Paul um, that's that's really fun for me I love Gary's white suit his sort of casino moment when he opens his his pinball palace he wants to really look good for that i think that's a great way to end the movie for him too so probably the white suit i guess i love that white suit that is so such a great piece uh, you know, I'm sure you're doing many interviews uh, just like this one, talking uh, it's talking about so many different things from Licorice Pizza. But is there any detail uh, from Licorice Pizza that no one is asking you about or, or that you just haven't had a chance to talk about that you want to highlight? 
you'll have to forgive me, but it has been over a year and I have done a film since then. Mm. So, um, you know, sometimes it gets a little scrambled. You know, I think behind the scenes, you know, it's, it's a miracle that this film got done at all just because of, you know, we were stumbling through the first wave of COVID there and trying to make a film. And um, there were a lot of restrictions on getting things done. So the, the fact that it came off at all is really uh, impressive that Paul went forward, continued to make it happen. Um, you know, I know that I had I had to sometimes wait or do sort of long distance fittings with some of my actors, like sending clothes and not being able to be in the same room with them and doing things over um, Skype or uh, Zoom to do a fitting, which was a new, new, um, new territory for me. I've been doing this for a long time. So it, nothing really stands out to me other than having, you know, the new way of having to fit actors and i also i've worked with paul for a very long time too so we have our rhythm too i think more the external of making this fun ride during a time where there were constraints on freedoms and how many background we could have and who was going to be in it you know i think it's a testament to paul's grit and and what we you know actually making it happen what we set out to do so uh, a real fun ride like this taking place um at of such a huge time of uncertainty and still coming out as a fun ride was is really satisfying uh you know i did want to ask you about your latest film you you've added yet another legendary director to your list of collaborators with with steven spielberg's the fablemans what can you tell us about working on that project that I really was honored to be called upon by Stephen, who, you know, has been a, a legend as long as I can remember. And, you know, once I got over my general awe of, of him and realized that he just hired me to do what I usually do, um, the, 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 and the pressure was off a little bit, then we had a great collaboration. I mean, he's lovely to work with. He had a lot of trust in my contribution and I was welcome into that circle family of DP and production designer, Rick Carter and John Ushkaminsky legends themselves and welcomed into their circle. And so it was really, it was a, a really fun ride and such an honor to be, you know, entrusted with sort of recreating semi-autobiographical scenes and family members and things for, for Stephen. Well, I'm so excited for that film. One, one final question before I let you go. Uh, you have done such a wide variety of work. I know you, you've talked in many interviews about wanting to stretch yourself and try new things. You've done a Western, old Hollywood, comic book movie, even a, a movie about a fashion designer in, in the 50s. What, what genre or time period would you love to explore that you, you haven't had a chance to yet? That's interesting. You know, one, the one genre I would love to do is I, I would actually like to try my hand at a, a Bond film because I love the sort of original early 60s 
Bond films and sort of that elegance of the way the men's clothes, the endless sexiness of the women characters, you know, and then there's always sort of this fantasy element with the uh, evil person. So trying to figure that out in this day and age with a different language of clothes, that would be a fun challenge for me, uh, a contemporary film like that. And then, you know, anything from early 1900 or earlier, I would love to try my hand at, uh, you know, I did 1870s with News of the World, just uh, trying to nail uh, a time period in American history, but I, I am wide open. I am less, less confident or less psyched about reimagining the future because it could be so many things that, uh, and it probably involves more than just a spacesuit. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, a Bond film and uh, some, some other periods earlier than 1900 would be really fun for me. That's awesome. Well, Mark, I'm so excited for whatever you do next. I uh, can't wait to see it. Uh, your work in Licorice Pizza is amazing. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Daniel. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the costume designer for Licorice Pizza, Mark Bridges, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Licorice Pizza is currently playing in theaters from United Artists Releasing. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.